before we read our scripture passage for the day, I just want to uh, remind you, if you haven't uh, read your church email this morning, uh, we were um, gripped uh, with unfortunate and tragic uh, news yesterday afternoon about the passing of uh, Jim McVeigh, the husband of uh, Maggie McVeigh, uh, in the tragic motorcycle accident uh, yesterday. Uh, we are just at a loss, and our heart breaks for our sister. Um, yeah, I can't even imagine or find words. I have just uh, been spending a lot of time in prayer, and uh, we got the opportunity to spend some time with her yesterday. And so I just want to say thank you for all of those who have been praying. Um, I just got word uh, from Kathy that the meal train that we set up is already filled out through November. Um, and so thank you for your uh, quick and loving response. Um, and just continue to uh, be in prayer with us and, and look out for communication as we um, continue to just walk alongside her um, and her and her family uh, right now. Um, it's, it's, I don't even know if it's really set in yet. And so uh, let's continue to be um, in, in prayer for um, not just uh, Maggie, but Maggie Rose and James and Michaela uh, and Sarah and uh, Carlos and Fallon and just the entire uh, family. We just, um, if you will, uh, for a little bit this morning, uh, turn to as we continue our series, uh, Making His Church, uh, turn with me to the Gospel of John. Uh, we are still in chapter 1. We will start where we left off last week at verse 19. And it reads as follows. And this is the NIV version. It says, Now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? He says, I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, that straps on, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. Uh, the title that I want to give us today is The Voice. So, at this point, we have followed the gospel writer John throughout the prologue that we call it the introduction, the, uh, the, the precursor to the rest of the gospel, as he um, has, has very uh, succinctly laid out um, the, the arguments or the reality of Jesus Christ being both divine and being human. 
um, reminding us that Jesus Christ, uh, the word of God who was made flesh, uh, was there in the beginning and, and a part of creation and that everything through him that was made, um, or everything that was made through him. Uh, he was doing this to establish the, the rationale, the reason uh, that Jesus is the very centerpiece of the church and the community that they were forming in that time, hoping to uh, give encouragement um, to them as they were uh, facing pushback from the Jewish leaders and also still dealing with Roman occupation. Um, he wanted to get them encouraged. I think the reality for us um, then is as he has gotten through the prologue, he then toward the end introduces to us John the Baptist. And I believe that he does this because if you think about the rest of the story, there are uh, very important people who come up that we have talked about over our course of time. Uh, we think about uh, Nicodemus who comes at night. We think about uh, the woman at the well, we think about Lazarus and all of these folks uh, to some degree had a picture of who Jesus was, had a, a heart uh, to serve. But there was always something that was missing from their understanding of Jesus or their relationship to him. And so I believe uh, that as we consider the, 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 the foundational pieces of the church, that we oftentimes attribute falsely to the brick and mortar brick and mortar buildings where we worship. Uh, this text is a, once again a reminder that the church is not our buildings or our pews or our parking lots, but the church is the people, the people who are discipled by the word. And brothers and sisters, if uh, the people, if the church is made up of the people, is made up of the disciples, then it's a reminder of how important discipleship is as it pertains to Jesus Christ. Because incomplete disciples then make an incomplete church. So as we push our idea of the brick and mortar to the side and remind ourselves then that we are the church then I believe that the reason uh, that John, the gospel writer, begins to introduce to us John the Baptist is because John the Baptist, um, from my purview, has a really complete understanding of what it means to be disciples. And if we look through the entirety of the gospel and compare back to John, it's really easy to see how the others fall short and I think that in a lot of ways, some of us struggle with these same things, too. We see that um, as the uh, Jewish leaders have heard about the work that John is doing, they became curious. Uh, some theologians believe that part of the curiosity came because John was not just baptizing Gentiles because the custom was to baptize Gentiles into the Jewish faith. Uh, but John was actually calling for the baptism, baptism of those who already identified as Jewish. I'm sure that to some degree this probably upset folks to say, who is this man that has the audacity to tell us that we need to go through some of the same baptismal rituals that these uncircumcised Gentiles have to go through. 
And so I believe that this visit that they paid to John wasn't out of some sense of altruism or some sense of uh, brotherhood or some sense of, hey, how can we help in the ministry? They were coming to validate or invalidate who John was because the only way that John could have the audacity to do the things that he was doing and say the things that he was saying and challenging the Jewish system the way that he was had to mean that he was somebody more important than just the average Joe. In verse 19, it says, And now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely. I am not the Messiah. Brothers and sisters, my first thought is this. It is important for us to have a clear understanding of the limits of who we are. It's a clear, it is important for us to have a clear understanding of our limits. The text says that they, uh, he, he did not fail to confess. He said, I am not the Messiah. Okay, well, then you're not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? Because some of the Jewish people believe that since Elijah had not had an earthly death, that he was just simply taken up, that one day he would come back. And so maybe this guy with all this audacity was Elijah who had returned. But John said, no, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Brothers and sisters, he was very clear that he was not of some great importance. Uh, uh, Brothers and sisters, I think the thing that we can take away from this is that we sometimes overestimate our roles. We, We overestimate our importance in the work of what God is trying to do. We, we, we put too much on ourselves. It's not our place. I am not anybody's savior. I remember I've been asked several times over my ministry life, how many people I've led to Christ? How, how many people have you led to Christ? I've been asked. And, I, and I've always found that question odd. Because I can probably sit and count and think about the the people that I've baptized and things like that. But the reality of the fact is if we really understand the true nature of God and the true nature of the Holy Spirit, the reality is that if we believe that God is omnipresent and the Holy Spirit is already moving, then there is already work happening. And at best, God uses myself, God uses you as a connection point to the work that he is doing doing in people's lives already. I think this is why some of the early missionaries failed in their missionary work because they used to approach the mission field as if they were bringing God to these other countries. They were bringing God to Asia. They were bringing God to Africa. They were bringing God to parts of Europe. But the reality of the fact is that God is already moving. And and the best work that we can do is to help point out how God is working in and around you already. Brothers and sisters, as missionaries here in Naperville and missionaries in Aurora and Bolingbrook and in Chicago, God is moving. It it, it may feel like sometimes he's not because we think about the violence and we see the hatred and we see all of these things happening, but God is moving. God is working. The Holy Spirit is in our midst. And as believers, we simply need to work to be the connection point to the work that God is doing. 
in people's lives, in the community's lives. And so it's important for us to have a clear understanding of our limits. I am not anybody's savior. I am not anybody's judge. I am not anybody's life or death moment. Like John says, when they continue to ask, and when they, in verse 22, it says, finally, they said, then who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John simply replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. As important as it is for us to have a clear understanding of our limits, it is as important for us to have an understanding of what our roles are as servants. We are simply the voice. It, it reminds me of this television show that I'm extremely fond of. It was, uh, uh, it came after American Idol. It was a show called The Voice. Um, and on this show, it's a, a singing competition, but the kind of niche to this show was that the judges had their backs turned to the contestants. The contestants would come out and they would sing their song and so then the judges would decide whether or not to choose a contestant simply based on their voice. Uh, because the, the producers understood that sometimes we can miss the voice because of a person's appearance. That sometimes there are some vocal, vocalists and there are some famous folks out here who are, are, are gorgeous and attractive to the eyes, but their voices are subpar. Or there are some folks who just don't seem pathetically pleasing, but they have some of the most amazing voices ever. And so this TV show singled out the importance of the voices. So just as we need to understand our limits, we must understand what it means to be in our roles and our roles as voices. And our voices as those crying out in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, should be what people see. And so my question that I ask myself often is, what are people hearing? What are people hearing? Are people hearing a clear understanding of the gospel message? Are they hearing us proclaim the name of Jesus Christ? Are they hearing us sing his praises and bring honor in our lives in a way that connects? Or are our voices, is our witness being disturbed and distracted by our lives? Is, is the way that we live into our faith more of a distraction from our voice? Or does our voice go out before us and draw people in? It, it, it reminds me, and I'm, and I'm jumping a little bit ahead, but it reminds me to the story of the woman in the well after she has her conversation with Jesus, this life-changing conversation, this woman who had a reputation, this woman who, uh, whose reputation was so bad that she went to the well at the hottest part of the day. But, but, but when she had this encounter with Jesus Christ, her voice was so powerful that when she went to the village, the people were so compelled by her voice, they came to see about Jesus Christ and believed because of her witness. Brothers and sisters, is our witness, is our voice, are the things that we are saying and proclaiming about Jesus Christ so powerful that it is compelling people to come? This is what John the Baptist understood. He said, listen, 
I'm not a prophet. I'm not the Messiah. I'm not Elijah. I am simply one whose voice is crying out in the wilderness to prepare for Jesus Christ to come. Brothers and sisters, our role as we serve is to do everything that we can to prepare the way for people to have life-changing encounters with Jesus Christ. That must be the foremost thing. We, we, we must work to clear out distractions and legitimate distractions. I'm not talking about personal preferences like people being upset about wearing jeans to church. I'm talking about the, the things that come to challenge our hearts and our discipleship and turn us away from the true picture of Jesus Christ. So one, it's important for us to have a clear understanding of our limits. Two, it's important for us to have an understanding of what our roles are. But three is this. It is important to understand who we are in relationship to Jesus Christ. In verse 24, he goes on and says, Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? He goes on to say, I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. It's this reminder that everything that we do without acknowledging the fact that we only do it through the power of Jesus Christ to point to Jesus that we are nothing. We are not worthy. I am not worthy to stand here. None of us are worthy to do any of the things that we do. We, we no matter how much education, no matter how much experience, no matter how long we've been a part of the church, no matter how much money we give, there is nothing that we can do that make us worthy in comparison to Jesus Christ, that if he is not even the forefront, the motivation for our actions, we are already falling short. But part of this shows that John had a clear understanding of who Jesus was. He, he, he had a knowledge, you see, that even throughout this text that you could see that John the Baptist had an understanding. He, he, he knew the Torah. He knew the works of the prophets. He understood the Old Testament writings, and it was clear in his knowledge, and it showed that he knew Jesus Christ. He, he, he knew what the signs were. He knew what to expect. And so part of it that we see then is the importance of not only heart and the desire to serve, but we also see the realization that it's important to actually know Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, part of the challenge is that so many of us come to church and we've been a part of churches our entire lives. And we know scripture uh, here and there because you can't come to church for so long without at least picking up on some of the, 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 the big three scriptures. You learn some songs, but are we in our personal lives spending time in the word and getting to know the word of God? Are we writing the word of God on our hearts? Are we implementing the knowledge that we have developed about God and Jesus Christ through the word in our everyday lives. Brothers and sisters, I submit to you that a lot of us have a connection to church, but not a relationship to Jesus Christ. We, we, we are members of churches, but we are not connected to 
Jesus Christ. And what we see is through different parts of the Gospel of John that that is often the case. Nicodemus knew the word. We hadn't lived it out. The, 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 the woman at the well was, was willing to serve, but she didn't quite know who she was serving. She, her, her, her theology was all jacked up. Brothers and sisters, I submit that a lot of us find ourselves in that place. I believe that our ability to then build the church up in a way that honors God is making sure that there is a combination and a connection between our heart of service And our knowledge, the, the, the spirit and truth, they go hand in hand. So discipleship then is twofold. Brothers, this, this, as, I was, as I was studying this passage, it reminded me a lot of our no love serve strategic uh, mission. You know, we, we say it at the beginning of service. We have it in different places across the church. And it's the reminder to me how much we value discipleship here. And then even in moments where we can get away from it, we must always recenter ourselves around discipleship. It's, it's, it's important for us to, to, to work and to pray and to study so that we can know God fully. The more that we know about God, the more we know about ourselves. I submit that we can't know ourselves truly if we don't know our creator. How, how many of you realize that as in your adult lives there are things about yourself that you realize because you knew your parents better as an adult than you did as a kid? Uh, I, I do this because of my mother and father. I do this because of my mother and father. How can we really fully know ourselves if we don't know the God that created us? And so knowing him is important. And as we know him, as we know ourselves, it strengthens our ability to love authentically because we begin to show our brothers and sisters in Christ the same type of love that we expect. No love. And then that knowing and that loving compels us to serve. So, 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 so right there as we begin to study uh, and, and realize as we are making his church and, and shaping our church in God's image that discipleship is the foundational piece. The discipleship of each and every one of us is the foundational piece to the growth and the health here. And not just our church, but any church. No love serve. Brothers and sisters, we are the voice. We are the voices. We are the ones who are called to, to, to cry out, prepare ye the way of the Lord. So it is, it is, it's my prayer for us that we continue to, 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 to dig in to this work that God has called us to, that we become the disciples that he is meant for us to be, that our discipleship is both, uh, 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 that, is, that it is mirrored and it is shaped and it is defined by full knowledge of God and a full heart of service so that we may not be found incomplete. That we move out of just being members of churches and having relationship with God. Amen.
as we prepare uh, to, to end this time of worship together, I am reminded of uh, a scripture, John 4, verse 23. It says, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. That is our call as voices to worship our Father in spirit and in truth. So as we prepare to go, Lord, we just ask that you uh, grant us your grace, the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit, and rest, rule, and abide between us until we come again, charging us and giving us the power to worship you in spirit and in truth. Go in peace and serve our God. Amen.